Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today we have a special guest, Amber Stewart, and she is going to talk to us about nutrition. And I'm so excited because we probably should have started recording while we were chatting because we said so many good things before I pushed play. But Amber, would you introduce yourself and tell us about your nutrition background? Yes, um, I will. Um, I recently got my certification in functional nutrition after many years of um just cooking at home, but not necessarily understanding the different foods that I was preparing. And then through all of the foster care that we've done since 2007, you know, picky eaters and oral texture, sensory issues. And then I have an adopted son on the spectrum who definitely struggled with eating um, meats and vegetables and fruits and wanted to just eat carbs and fish, goldfish and peanut butter and jellies all the time. Mm. I was, began getting really frustrated and started looking more into uh, gluten and dairy-free diets, what that looked like, and then um, had such a passion for early intervention and was looking into that. And now I love, love, love looking at kids from a holistic point of view where you're looking at their development, plus their sleep, plus their bowel movements, and plus nutrition, of course, a huge key. And I feel like pediatricians never talk to me about this. What they eat matters. And that was very frustrating when I would go into a pediatrician's office with my son, and I would say, hey, we're on a gluten and dairy-free diet. I'm so excited. I'm seeing so many changes. And they would immediately push back and say, oh, there's no evidence-based uh, studies on that. You're just torturing yourself. And I felt very, very discouraged. And so mm. I just began to dive deeper into learning and ended up joining a, um, a certification program, which took a full year of studying all the body systems and how food affects those systems to support them, but also foods to avoid. So I uh, passed that certification this past year in 2022 in August and, and now just been working with different clients on uh, kids with autoimmune disorders because my son on the spectrum also has a very rare autoimmune disorder called JDM, uh, juvenile dermatomyositis. So we work a lot to keep his body uh, functioning and reducing inflammation and all those things. So 
that that is kind of my background. Not not too long, but yet lots of experience of uh, just cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for being willing to share your expertise and your experience with us, because I think it's something that a lot of parents probably they go to the pediatrician just like you, and I'm like you. If the pediatrician or um, nutritionist says, well, that doesn't matter or that doesn't work, then I'm like, I'm going to research it. I'm going to figure it out because (laughs) I have found... educate ourselves for sure. Right. There are so many studies out there that aren't common knowledge. Mm -hmm. And most doctors don't have to study nutrition in depth. So... No, no. My husband is a physician and he... We've talked about this and he had two weeks, two weeks of Mm. nutrition in medical school. And that was it. You know, Vanderbilt Medical School, fantastic school. Um, But that is, I will say, I do think it is beginning to swing Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. to where they are understanding more about the impact and influence of food. And obviously, we'll get into some of that today about regarding inflammation and behaviors and all the things. But unfortunately, the FDA, um, I don't even know if I can say this on your podcast, but I do not believe the FDA cares about our health or our children's health. So therefore, we will advocate for ourselves. We will educate ourselves and we will make the best choice for our families and for our own health. So, Right. And the truth is, whether the FDA cares or not, we're ultimately responsible for our own health and for our children's nutritional diet and what's going on in their bodies. Because I know myself, like if you're suffering from pain and inflammation and you go to the doctor and you say, this is working, it's reducing it. And they say, well, you don't need to do that. I don't think I'm going to listen, you know, because what is working for me is working for me. And I have celiac disease, so I am very familiar with limiting. I, I don't have gluten at all, but there are some other things that I have to limit because it will just trigger my body. It will trigger inflammation because I also have fibromyalgia, which is like a really fun combination. I have all kinds of immune system disorders, but they kind of trip each other. But when you learn about nutrition, that's why I'm really excited to hear everything you have to say. The more you learn about how it affects your body, how you can reduce inflammation, how you can increase brain function, increase better sleep, then those things that I get triggered by and everybody gets triggered by, no matter what they have, can be set right and we can live better lives and feel there's no reason for us to walk around feeling exhausted and in a brain fog all the time and um, so I'm going to let you start you kind of really said a little bit about that but I'll let you tell a little bit more about your journey to your topic Mm -hmm. Um, well just basically what we were talking about is that um, well, I, don't, I did not mention this. I had my own personal struggles. Like you were mentioning, you had celiac and fibromyalgia. I had some um, thyroid issues in my late 30s, early 40s, mm. which made no sense to me because mm-hmm. I was healthy. I was exercising. In my opinion, I was eating healthy. I was cooking. But what I didn't realize is that I was cooking a lot of processed foods, you know, a lot of right. boxes of this or cans of this or bags of this and you know, while I'm still cooking at home on a budget, those things were still causing inflammation that I didn't realize and affecting my thyroid. And when you start diving deeper into even the water that we drink that has chlorine and fluoride in it, 
fluoride is terrible for anyone with autoimmune disorders or thyroid issues. And that's mm-hmm. a whole other, you know, long science talk. But right. basically the breakdown of fluoride, it can mimic itself. And the thyroid starts uh, getting tricked basically by the, the fluoride and it can it can cause problems and that's what I was that's what was happening with me and which then started to make sense because I had had infertility issues. Um, mm. Thankfully, I did have two biological daughters, but we began fostering and then adoption after that. But um, looking back, I had no idea that the products I was using in my home and the foods I was eating was causing um, all my thyroid issues. So again, um, I began looking at food and how to support my body. Um, I am a believer, um, and I believe that God created the foods to go with our bodies, and the bodies, you know, is supported by the foods that he created for us. So when we take it back to the basics of what is grown and what are we eating, um, you know, stop all the man-made stuff. And so as we kick off today, I would love to just talk about kind of three ways um, we can focus on what are we feeding our families? What are we feeding ourselves? And the start of that is the rhythm of dinner, the rhythm of meals. Mm. Um, I I think every family today is bombarded with activities and after school homework and after school, this or that music lessons. And I'm not saying those are bad things. My kids do all of those things, have done those things, but um, it is such a lost tradition. And Again, as a believer, I think it's very important that we gather around the table. We see that uh, we know that Jesus ate around the many tables with many Mm -hmm. people. And there's a reason for that. Um, It is to nourish the body, to have those connections with our kids and our spouse and just talking about our daily life. And also, let's um, just touch, too, on all the things that come with meal prep as a family. So you can have someone help chop up potatoes. I know my son on the spectrum is learning about how to peel uh, potatoes, peel carrots. These are huge independent skills that are not that hard. And you can turn the music on in there, mm-hmm. you know, have fun while you're cooking. And they're, and also he's got a fine motor delay. So it's helping him with his fine motor skills. And it may take him twice as long as me, but that's okay. We're right. talking, we're connecting. And so you have someone setting the table. You're having that conversation. You're having someone make waters for dinner. And so it's not just about the meal. It's the prep. It's the cleanup afterwards. It's all this family time because we know that nowadays kids go to their rooms. They're on their devices. They're watching TV, whatever. And it's meal planning and prepping is a huge uh, time to come together as a family. And, you know, and as you're sitting at the table, talking about those highs and lows of the day, or sometimes we did highs and lows of the day, or sometimes we would do, let's say, what, what is one thing you're grateful for Mm. this week? And what is one challenge that you've had? Or what is something you need to confess this week that you've struggled with? And so uh, recognizing those things, and I want to throw out too, in those busy seasons, there was a time where we had five children, uh, two biological, three fosters, a sibling set of three that lived with us for almost two years very busy afternoons because we were trying to allow those children to also be involved in, in, in soccer and things that they'd never gotten to do. And so it became that breakfast was our biggest gather around the table meal. Hmm. Dinners were hard. So we said, you know what, we're going to focus on our breakfast at this season. So we would, yeah, get up an extra, maybe 30, 40 minutes earlier, fix breakfast, have breakfast around the table 
and then still, you know, able to get a dinner in during the week, um, may or definitely after church or on Saturdays or Friday nights. So looking at your, um, you know, your schedule and planning it out, being intentional with your time to make dinner a priority. Right. And that's a, that's a good point. We were talking about that pre-recording. Um, there was a season in our lives that we had, um, dinner at 1.30 or 2, I was homeschooling at the time, so I could rearrange my schedule that way. And then all of the activities in the evening didn't interrupt that important time because dinner or eating a meal together, whether it's breakfast or lunch or dinner, whatever time you make that specific time to sit down to do the meal prep is such an important time of connection, especially If you're raising kiddos with trauma histories, you want that attachment. You want that time for them to be standing doing what I call beside you jobs, Mm -hmm. slicing the carrots or the onions or the, you know, whatever, setting the table because then they talk. And Mm -hmm. I love what you're talking about dialoguing at dinner because we've always had a topic of conversation at dinner and it could be just a question what was your favorite thing that happened today or it can be and this kind of freaks guests out because my kids are like okay topic of conversation even yeah. when people are, are over and they're like wait we have to talk to we have to answer right. the question <laughs> yes you do you talk about the weather and, and football we have to really yeah <laughs> you have to join the topic of conversation <laughs> And what I love, too, about meal prep, and I remember this when my kids were little, there's something that everybody can do. Like, you can Mm -hmm. have a two-year-old put the spoons in the sink, or you can have a two-year-old take a a damp cloth and wipe off the table or put a napkin on the table. It is for all ages. And Mm -hmm. I love that, again, it's part of belonging to a family. And for those of y'all out there that are fostering, I cannot tell you how many times we had kids that came into our home they had never, never sat around a table and mm-hmm. had a meal. And I will never forget, if, I, if you don't mind me sharing a quick story, I'll never forget the sibling set that we had, our first placement of three. We made spaghetti the first night they were here because, hey, what do y'all like to eat? Spaghetti. Okay, that's an easy one. But we set that we set that plate of spaghetti and that plate of, uh, we'd made some toast on the table, and they all three stood up and started grabbing grabbing all the toast off the plate and so you know that they didn't even know what this meant to sit down at a table as a family and eat and so we had to go whoa what's going on here so don't be surprised for those of you that are fostering maybe that's not the story with the kids that you have now but but many have not learned table manners many have not understood and and so when we said well why are you grabbing all the food turns out there was five kids total so these we had the three youngest that it was fend for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get your food, it, yep. you're not getting any. So it was, you know, that was very, very, uh, it was triggers for them, putting food on the table that was available to them. So we had to remind them, hey, there's plenty of food here. I'll right. make more toast. It's okay. So um, you may run into that if you are, um, you need to really start at ground zero because don't assume that your kids are going to know what it means to sit around a table and have a meal because they they probably will not. Right, exactly. And just kind of starting with those um, those expectations um, and just kind of, you know, watch them. But, but I want to throw out, too, in the rhythms of dinner, I think we can get so, we live in a culture that makes us feel like 
oh, it's exhausting. You don't have time to cook. You don't have time. It's simply not true. You can put, um, of course, now with air fryers and instant pots and all those things which come into our our benefit, um, Mm -hmm. meal planning itself can be very simple. And I think, too, because I've been cooking gluten and dairy-free now since um, my son's 11, so we started cooking like that when he was 2, I used to think, oh, my word, this is so hard. No, it's not. Actually, when you're cooking gluten and dairy-free and clean and organic, let's go back to the basics like our grandparents ate. They were eating a meat with two vegetables and maybe a salad and fruit for dessert if they had it. You know, so right. I think for me, it is so less complicated to just say, yes, we're going to put some chicken thighs in my black cast iron skillet with some avocado oil and some fresh rosemary from our garden and squeeze a lemon on it and brown it, put a lid on it, stick it in the oven while I'm cutting up Brussels sprouts or uh, roasting some some simple fresh organic broccoli with, you know, some olive oil and sea salt. These meals are not hard. I think people have, the culture has made us believe that cooking is exhausting and it takes too much time and it's too expensive. And the truth is, if you really sit down and intentionally plan it out, you'll see that it is not impossible. And uh, and we will feel better when we eat this food, right? Yes, I mean. exactly. And I think one of the other messages of the culture, besides this, it's too difficult, it's too hard, is like, you deserve to have oh, French yeah. fries, or you deserve to have sweets, or you deserve to have... And right. I read the book, I Kick Sugar Goodbye, and it's like she talks about those messages of our culture and the, the truth is, maybe the culture is telling us that, and we begin to believe that. But when we eat those things, we feel terrible. Right. We feel right. awful. Yeah. And why would we want to put that in our kiddos' bodies when we know that is going to cause some sort of reaction? Now, there haven't. I was talking to Dr. Jared, who's a regular on the podcast, about kids with FASD and have they done studies on sugar in their systems because. It's the same as alcohol, because alcohol turns to sugar. And he said, well, he didn't know if they've been studying that or whatever, but I've seen it myself. Sugar will give my kids a hangover the next yeah. day. Yes. I heard that podcast, yes, about the sh- the Sunday hangovers after church when they fed them donuts. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yes, it's so true. And actually, what I have noticed about my son on the spectrum Sugar is like gluten to him. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it makes him very aggressive and very non-compliant. And he he doesn't even like how he feels. Like he's he feels very irritable, you know. And right. and not to say that we don't let him have some cookies. And he we have gluten and dairy free donuts. He's allowed to have on Saturdays, but you know it's very limited. And we of course add it with some protein or something. But you know it is. It's it's very tricky. And unfortunately, we live in a culture that is constantly pushing garbage on our kids and things full of of sugars and dyes and all the the fat the things but so I want to throw out too that as you're meal planning and 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 looking at things um there's some important things as our kids are developing and as our kids are um you know learning to take care of their bodies that as parents we need to be talking about with them and that is a huge part of of cooking will be adding essential fats mm, and yeah you know our I know my generation because I'm 52 we the word fat I mean everything yes. is low fat reduced fat fat's bad fat's bad and the truth is now it's kind of swinging back 
Right. We need to, we need essential fats in our bodies and especially kids need essential fats for brain development and for all the things. And um, the thing about essential fats is that our body does not make those. We will have to seek those out in mm-hmm. foods and that is the omega-3s and the omega-6s. And we want our omega-3s to be, you know, stronger, bigger, and the problem is our culture's food that's processed is loaded with omega-6s, which can, in excess, end up being a negative thing. Right. But let's talk about a little bit. How do we get these essential fats into our kids? And the first thing I'm going to say is um, grass-fed beef. Yes. And before everybody, you know, puts a thumbs down on grass-fed beef because people say, oh, it's too expensive, it's this or that. And the truth is... What our animals eat, what what the animals are eating is what we will get the benefits of or the negative parts. Right. Of, right. Yeah. And so we've got to be careful. I know grass fed can be more expensive, but also look in your area. Like we have a local farmer here that lives about an hour from us that we bought a uh, half a cow from mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, we do and, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fabulous. And so. This is not even a true organic farm because she said it's, you know, the USDA is very strict on the organic labeling, but their their cows are grass-fed and they don't spray pesticides on their fields is truly, and to eat the same cow for like, mm-hmm. <laughs> to eat the same cow for six to nine months, we actually named our cow Sammy, and we're like, wow, you know, Sammy's ground beef is really, wow, Sammy's oh roast, gosh. this is a terrific roast, thank you, Sammy, like you're really feeding our family. And those essential fats in that are so important to get the vitamins that we need for um, brain development and all the body systems, basically. So we really want to be careful about the types of of meats that we're eating. Right, and, and I want to make a point about that, too, because, you know, I know that people say, oh, it's more expensive, you have to spend more. But the truth is, when you are getting more of the essential fat in your diet, then you're not going to be hungry all the time and you're not going to have to be supplementing your diet with all these other things Mm -hmm. like junk because you're still (laughs) hungry. You're not as hungry. And I'm I'm in my 50s as well. And I just remember that was like the big thing is like, don't eat fat, don't eat fat. But unfortunately, we are seeing the results of that in nursing homes with people who are struggling with Alzheimer's, and I'm not saying that's the cause, but I'm saying that will affect it. And all of these um, memory issues, because of that brain development, they're not getting those healthy fats. And we're also seeing the kids in the school system with ADHD more than ever. And, you know, we have it in my family. I'm not saying that eating healthy fat will make it go away, but it definitely helps with that brain cognitive function. We need that. Yes, and all the neurotransmitters and the way the synapsis works in the brain, we've got to have those essential fats in our body. And so, of course, salmon, we talk about salmon Mm. um, being another great way to get it in. And uh, we have to be careful, of course, of the mercury. We need to make sure you're not buying farm farm salmon. Um, We need to make sure that we're getting the the wild caught that is cleaner. And, of course, that's still controversial. But, you know, again... I think when you're looking at at fish, we do need to use moderation because of the different chemicals and the heavy metals and things that are in our waters and the mercuries and the different things. But and also focus on those 
local pasteurized chickens when you're getting eggs and you're getting poultry to make sure you're getting those um, not commercial farmed right. chickens because again they are and you can just take an egg that is a local pasteurized versus a commercial when you crack them open I was in awe the first time uh, I got some local eggs it's so bright orange and sunny yes. and the ones that are commercial you crack it open it looks almost pale, 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 yellow, you know, so, right. um, just being aware of, you know, you're getting what you pay for, true, truthfully, and, um, again, another way to get in some great essential fats is leafy greens, and, you know, maybe your kids don't want to eat a big salad, but you can throw some spinach into a smoothie, you can throw in some, uh, one thing my son actually likes, too, is take a romaine, leaf mm-hmm. which we grew, uh we grew romaine lettuce the last i don't know five summers and it's my favorite thing to grow in the garden you get these big romaine leaves and wash them off and you could put turkey in there some uh healthy turkey and adds cucumbers and add uh, and sometimes we even make tacos with them, right like with we do that too <laughs> yeah you can make taco wraps and um, i love to put lentils in my instant pot and put taco seasoning with them and then put fresh avocado is another great essential fat and wrap it up and eat it. And so there's sneaky ways for us to get leafy greens in. Um, another thing are seeds. Um, if your kids can eat seeds, if they're not obviously allergic to tree nuts and things, but pumpkin seeds are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Walnuts. And again, you can chop up the, I don't love the taste of a walnut, but you can, uh, you know, chop them up and add them on top of things um, my recent new favorite thing to do is buy the ground flaxseed. Mm-hmm. Um, that Bob's Red Mill makes a fantastic yes. organic ground flaxseed. Sprinkle it into yogurt. And if you are dairy-free out there, I will tell you, we have tried a lot of dairy-free yogurts. My favorite and the best to me is the um, Foragers. Hmm. Uh, the only place I have found it is at our Earth Fair carries it. And sometimes our Kroger has it. But it is a dairy-free, and it's cashew-based, but it is a fabulous dairy-free yogurt that I add uh, ground flaxseed to just a little bit. Also, you're making a sandwich on, well, we make it on gluten-free bread. We'll do some nut nut butter. Sprinkle that flaxseed on top. It's a great way to sneak in some essential fats, omega-3s. Um, of course, uh, make sure you're cooking with avocado oil and yes. olive oil. Another way to get in those essential fats. Um, I want to remind people, because this is something I learned in my nutrition classes that I did not know, is that uh, olive oil is a low heat oil. It yes. can go, it can oxidize or go rancid in high temperatures. So think olive oil, low, just go low on that, low heat. So use it for your salad dressings. Use it for drizzling over the top of something. It is okay to drizzle it and put it in the oven at a lower temperature, you know, 3 or 350. But if you're getting up into those higher temperatures, you want to go coconut or ghee or uh, avocado. Yeah, that's. Um, I was going to say coconut. I use that a lot, especially like I was telling you before we started recording, I made like a huge batch of Brussels sprouts. Yes. And mm-hmm. I just broiled them in the oven, and um, I just um, mixed coconut oil over top of them, you know, before mm-hmm. I put them in. And, oh, my goodness. So fabulous. They're so well, good. So while we're talking about some essential fats, I know one of the big things that um, I talk with uh, 
to parents is, well, my kids just want to live off goldfish and snacks and whatever. And, you know, I have to tell you, other countries really make fun of America because we are the snack country. Mm -hmm. They literally call us the snack country because most countries don't have all these snacks all the time. They eat three meals a day and maybe eat some fruit, you know, in between or a, a light snack. But if we want our kids to eat the meals that we are cooking, we have got to got to be intentional about reducing the amount of junk they're eating in between. And right. so uh, just to throw out a few snacks that, you know, first I want to say when your kids are eating snacks, you want to make sure that you are combining a healthy fat with the fiber and mm-hmm. with the protein. So what that looks like might be a banana topped with the nut butter. Again, you can sprinkle that ground flaxseed on top. Uh, strawberries with almonds, mm-hmm. grapes with cashews. My son loves to eat watermelon with cashews or almonds. Um, another thing we buy are some grass-fed meat sticks. That's when we're on the on the go and on the run, mm-hmm. and he wants, uh, you know, he he is feeling hungry. Grab some protein and grab, you know, some fruit with it. Now, if my son is begging for some chips, because we do some, you know, gluten-free, cleaner chips like uh, the Hip Peas, or we have, uh, there's a great Pringle out there. It's a clean Pringle. I think it's called the Good Chip or something. Um, I'll let him have some of those, but add with it some strawberries or something. Add a, add a meat stick. So, again, you're getting the protein with a little bit of so you know we're not going to deprive our kids of every right. single fun thing out there. I don't. I'm not saying that, but just look at you know what what is the majority of what your child's diet is, um, because we do need. Um, they're going to be hungry. They're growing. They might need some in between meals, but just be careful what you're feeding them because if we're filling them up on junk, they're not going to eat the food that that we cooked that night for dinner so right and just to you know I would advise because I have you know having celiac and having issues in my family with other people having having to eat gluten-free and some of them dairy-free some soy-free it's like I'm always looking for new recipes find things because you know what you it's not about depriving your child or depriving yourself there are plenty of recipes out there where you can modify things in fact I made a strawberry shortcake the other night and I don't I'm not eating sugar but I just made it with almond flour and I just added I'm because I don't eat sugar it doesn't bother me that it's not really sweet and then I put some strawberries on top and I made my own homemade whipped cream all I did was just take heavy cream because I can have dairy okay just I use my coffee frother to make oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so you know there are so many different ways that you can make things and I love that you talk about batching um, your meals and making a meal plan because I do like certain things like I would like to have bagels once in a while so I make my own and okay, then yeah. I stick them in the freezer in bags of two bagels because mm-hmm. I make them really small. So things like that, you can do those things. And it's yeah. in, it's investing your time wisely. It's investing in your health and your child's health. And one of the things I always used to keep in the freezer when my daughter, who couldn't have gluten and soy and all these other things, I would just make like a big batch of cupcakes for birthday uh-huh. parties. Yep, and we do that. freeze <laughs> them. And then every time we had to go to the birthday party, I would pull one out, put some icing on it, you know, and take it with us. 
Yep. So she didn't... I have to make a big batch of blueberry muffins. My son loves blueberry muffins, but you can't find those gluten and dairy free um, and clean, really. So I like to make a big batch. And actually, he loves to help me make them. And then we freeze some in some glass containers and um, get those out. But um, let's see, what else were we going to talk about today? Um, moving into that, what we were talking about, that intentional meal prep, um, I like to get in the habit of, um, especially when you've got a lot of kids coming and going, the most intentional way to do this that I have found through the years is to choose a grocery day that works for you, Mm -hmm. whatever day that looks like. It could be Mm -hmm. Saturday. Now I don't grocery shop on Sunday. I am a big believer in resting on Sundays. I like my afternoon nap, you know, after church, but Mm -hmm. find your day that works for you, works for your family that you can actually do the grocery one day a week. And if I have to pop back in, because when you are eating a lot of fresh produce, sometimes I have to go about every three days, but if I can stretch that out, um, but do your intentional meal planning, look at what your week looks like. Look, Hey, do we have a soccer game? Do we have it? And then cook based on what that schedule looks like. So for example, Maybe you want to cook a roast carrots and potatoes. Super easy meal. Throw it in the Instant Pot, Crock Pot, and do that on the day when you're home in the afternoon or that morning, get it going. But if you know you've got a soccer game the next night, how great to already have that leftover roast beef to, you know, grab a loaf of bread, grab your roast beef, make the sandwiches ahead or take it with you. Um, It is possible to live on a budget and meal plan and come up with leftovers being used for a different type of meal, whether that's a wrap. You could even stick some roast beef in a romaine lettuce leaf and and eat it or put it in some bread or a slider or roll or whatever is good for your family. Um, There are ways to budget and to have still a really good meal. Yeah. But it does take us being intentional. You're you're not going to do it by the flight uh, the, the, by flying by the seat of your pants, that's not going to work because eating healthy takes time. That means getting all your fruit and washing it, having it ready to eat, cutting up those carrots, cutting up the celery, cutting up the broccoli, having things ready to go. My son even loves to eat, um, red peppers and yellow peppers and, Mm. uh, Kite Hill is a fantastic brand of dairy free cream cheese. And it's clean. It's I love it too. In fact, I don't buy regular cream cheese anymore. I'm not dairy free, but I love to reduce inflammation too. So yeah, um, it is a, a fabulous cream cheese. And, and Kite Hill makes a butter too that's really clean. But um, but but being intentional with your time, it goes a long way. And again, get the kids involved. Hey, tonight or this afternoon is going to be our meal prep, our our veggie and fruit prep. Um, everybody can chip in and help slice up a carrot or peel a carrot or chop up celery or whatever it is that your kids like. And honestly, if your kids are having to make lunches, you can even go ahead and pre-package some of those items Mm. in your containers for lunches. So during the week, they're grabbing them and going and putting them in their lunchbox um, as they're building those independent skills because, you know, eventually they're going to be doing that themselves as they get older. Um, Right. So is there, as, as we're wrapping up here, is there just like one, like if, if a parent's listening and they're like, I've never heard any of this, I'm so overwhelmed, I don't know where to start. If they could just start with something really simple, what is one thing you would tell them to start with? I would say start with that 
probably meal planning. I know we were talking about the rhythms of dinner. How about just make it a goal? If your family is not normally eating dinner around a table, how about start with planning just one meal around the table a week? One Mm. meal. And that would mean your meal plan might look like, hey, go to the grocery, get one meat, two vegetables, and some fruit, and plan that one meal for that week to get around the table and have everybody chip in, you know? Explain to your kids, hey, I know we've been eating a lot of restaurant food or carryout, but guess what? From now on, we're going to start eating one meal at home around the table and, and, and make it fun. Like everybody join in on peeling those carrots or chopping and getting involved in setting the table, making waters. So I that's love what that. I, I love mm-hmm. that. That's great advice. Well, thank you for joining us today, Amber. And thanks for all of your expertise and experience you've shared today. I'm still learning too. It's a learning learning process, right? It's always yes. learning more. So, but thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it, and I've loved your podcast. I'm learning so much on your podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's all for now, guys. Bye. See you. Thanks for listening to Trauma Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on traumainformedparenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.